Nathaniel is not hacking it for the Broncos. Lamar Jackson betting on himself and looking like a smart money play right there. And Patrick Mahomes with a giant FU to the rest of the NFL world. I'm Brett Yaris. This is Football Insiders. And joining me tonight and every week, my good friend Trey Wingo to drop it all going right now. Here we go, Trey. What is up, my friend? How are you doing? How much did you practice that Nathaniel not hacking at line? Just I every know. week, my number no, one. I know. My number no. one goal, Trey, every week is to come up with something that has you shaking your head and going, God, why did I agree to do a show with this guy? Mission accomplished, just so you know. Uh it was it Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay, the Brady, the the buck, the Buccaneer, the Buck of Brady's. Buck is that of Brady's. what it was last year? Buck of Brady's. Yeah, seeking media it. help. So yep, so let me get this. Let me get this chip out of my tooth. Hold on a second. Go ahead. Yeah, right, work on continue. that. Continue. In, the, in the meantime, uh, as as we go to get into the show, uh, Trey, uh, I had the privilege of being behind the scenes while you you taped our most recent more than football episode. Would you like to to tell our audience about that? Sure. Let me look at the read that you sent me, so I make sure I get it correctly. Uh, <laughs> this week on More Than Football, we sat down with the great Ed Werder, or as I used to say. When I tossed a report from him all those years ago on NFL Live, the words of Ed Werder have more. Uh, He discussed his many years covering the Dallas Cowboys, including the picture that was taken of him with a mullet and a tank top. Like, there is no excuse ever for wearing a tank top to the job unless you're a boxer. And he wore one once to the job as a beat writer for the Dallas Cowboys. And it was horrific on every way, shape, and form. But he also talked about the one time Jerry offered his private jet to him, why his cell phone usually got him in trouble with me on NFL Live because I'm that guy and I could see that his phone was on and I wanted to nail him live on TV. Plus the incredible story. I mean, the incredible story of the time he sat down to interview Donald Trump well before he got into the political realm. So like take all these, oh, you are saying this. No, it has nothing to do with politics. It's a great story about Ed Werder interviewing Donald Trump on the demise of the USFL and the things that Donald Trump's PR person told him. It is chef's kiss good. It, it is, uh, Trey. It's it the is. greatest story ever. Oh. It's the greatest story ever. Let me, let me say this. So and I'm not just saying this to, to tease it, although I am. And it's exclusive yeah. for PFN Pass subscribers. So if you're not a PFN Pass subscriber yet, you should. It's less Sign than up at pfnpass.com for less than 20 cents a day. There it is. Um, when he delivered the punchline to the story, I was like, what did he really just say that? I mean, it's a, yes, it's an incredible yes, story. Um, everything Ed said was incredible, but that story in particular uh, was fantastic. But Trey, this is football insiders, not Donald Trump insiders. And so what Thank I want to talk about today, okay, to yeah. start this off, look, we always talk about overreaction Mondays following week one, right? You said it last right. week. Yeah, I thought you said it perfectly, right? You don't really know whether you suck or if you're good until like week three or week four. but There are some teams that lost Trey that we could probably say you might be in a little bit of trouble here, right? There are some teams in trouble. And so the first team I want to get your opinion on, are they in trouble or are we overreacting is the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott going down, losing the game the way they did in week one. What's your take on them? They are in all kinds of trouble. Okay. I had concerns about the Cowboys before the season began based on the team construct model that happened in the offseason. Just re- real quickly to recap everything that happened. Amari Cooper was on the on the contract for $20 million a year. Earned, fantastic. He and Dak's chemistry. You go look at the numbers since they made the trade for him to come over from the Raiders. Uh, when Dak and Amari are on the field, the numbers are off the charts good. Uh, but because of the ridiculous, and I mean ridiculous contract, they gave Ezekiel Elliott a couple of years ago, they couldn't hold on to Amari Cooper. So they jettisoned Amari Cooper for next to nothing to the Cleveland Browns. Then Michael Gallup, who is a decent receiver, not Amari Cooper level, let's be clear, he's not. Um, he He tore his ACL in the last regular season game. He still hasn't seen the field this year. They signed him to a long term deal. They put the franchise tag on Dalton Schultz, who had a breakout year last year, 78 catches, slightly over 800 yards and eight touchdowns. 
The franchise tag was $11 million, 10.939, I think it is, but we rounded up. Yeah. Close to $11 million. He's not an $11 million a year player. Like, he's just not. Like, we can pretend, but we'd be pretending. So, <laughs> so you let Amari Cooper go because you want to pay his $20 million because of the contract you signed Zeke to. Uh, you signed Michael Gallup, who may be ready week three, but more likely week four yeah. uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you tagged Dalton Schultz, who, by the way, after this year is going to be an unrestricted free agent. So you paid him $11 million, and you have no potential future earnings on Dalton Schultz. And then you lose Tyron Smith uh, in late in training camp, and your replacements for him are a guy named Tyler Smith, whom you took in the first round, which was kind of a reach, who had been working exclusively at guard, and then you move him out to left tackle. Only until such time as 40-year-old, yes, you heard me right, 40-year-old Jason Peters whom they signed to their practice squad feels comfortable enough to ready to play. Now I want to be clear. I think that Jason Peters is a freak. I think he's unbelievable. And I think for a kid that was drafted or undrafted rather as a tight end out of Buffalo, he's had almost a hall of fame career. Yeah. But if that's your plan to replace the left tackle and Tyron Smith, an unproven rookie who, by the way, is wearing number 73. And let me just state for the record, no cowboy should ever wear 73 because Isn't that was that Larry Allen's freaking Isn't number. that remarkable that that number is still available for offensive linemen? Like, that's linemen? Larry Allen's number. Yeah. Arguably the most athletic and greatest offensive lineman in the history of the NFL. Put his number away forever. So yeah. you got a rookie going at left tackle to protect Dak Prescott. Except it's not Dak Prescott anymore. It's Cooper Rush for at least the next four games. The Dallas Cowboys with Dak were terrible offensively because of the team construct issues. Uh, they decided to choose in the offseason. And now they're going to be even worse with Cooper Rush. And this is not a knock on Cooper Rush. Cooper came through last year when he had to start for Dak in a game on the road against Minnesota and played really, really well. But that was with Amari Cooper and everybody else that they had on that roster. That was with Tyron Smith playing left tackle. The yep. Dallas Cowboys have a really good defense, and they have all kinds of questions on offense. They were the only team week one to not score a touchdown. The Cowboys are in a bleep ton of trouble. Yeah, well, um, I don't think I need to add anything to that because they certainly make the the, the trouble. Well, let me just add a couple of other things just for historical perspectives. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys won, what, 12 games last year? Mm -hmm. The last time they won back-to-back 10-digit -back win seasons was in the 90s. And, oh, by the way, uh, no one's repeated in the NFC East in 17 years. So, yeah, the Cowboys are in all kinds of problems. Yeah, well, let's let's take a look at, at the next team, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they got walloped by their division rival Minnesota Vikings in yeah. week one. Um, the offense did not look good. The lack of chemistry between Aaron Rodgers and his pass catchers was, was obvious to anybody watching. Um, but it is week one, so I'll ask you the same question. Would you say the Green Bay Packers are in trouble or have we not really seen what they are yet? Well, I think both of those things are true. They are in trouble and we haven't seen what they are yet. Let, let me explain. Uh, there is not much time. Let me sum up. No, let me explain. Um, <laughs> thank you, Princess Bride reference for those that don't know. Um, the, the Green Bay Packers got walloped last year. They had to play uh, the Saints, but the Saints, it was a neutral site game. I think they played in Jacksonville because of a hurricane last year. I can't remember exactly where they played. And they got stomped, and everyone was like, oh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't care, and this, this, this. I'm like, guys, shut up. They're going to be fine. This is why they're not going to be fine for the foreseeable future in 2022. Outside of Randall Cobb, there was not a single wide receiver on the Green Bay Packers roster that played in that game that Aaron Rodgers had ever played an NFL game with before. Okay? They have a completely brand-new receiving core. Across the board, Alan Lazard didn't play. Hopefully, he can get back on the field very soon. But they lost Equinemius St. Brown. They lost Devontae Adams. They lost Marquez Valdez-Scanley. So the idea, like, like Peyton Manning once missed an entire preseason because of a, 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 a bursa sack injury under his knee. Say that and 10 times fast. A bursa sack injury under his knee. I'll say it one more time. <laughs> the uh, and, and he had a great line where he said, because they struggled out of the gate. They barely won a game week one, and they went three and four in their first seven games. And he said, guys, it would be disrespectful to the game of football 
to think that I could miss the entire preseason and training camp and show up and just dominate. Yeah. And they, they went three and four out of the gate that year. I think it was 2008. And then they won their last uh, nine games to finish 12 and four and, and won the division going away. That's the issue going forward for the green Bay Packers. They're going to struggle until Aaron Rodgers and this brand new bunch of receivers are on the same plane or on the same field or on the same wavelength. Um, The defense is not the same as it was a year ago. The offensive line is not as good as it was a year ago. Like I'm glad David Bakhtiari is back, but he ain't the David Bakhtiari he was before the injury the last couple of years. Um, There were a couple of throws where Aaron Rodgers could have hit a home run for an easy touchdown, but he didn't have time to throw because of the offensive line issue. So (laughs) it's the easiest thing in the world to say, oh, they lost week one last year. They'll be fine. This ain't the same Packers. This is not the same Packers team doing it. They're going to struggle. I think they'll get it right. And I think eventually they might even win the division, even though I think Minnesota is the best team in that division right now. Yeah. But it's it's going to take multiple weeks for the Green Bay Packers to get right. So this is kind of a huge game for them, week two at Lambeau. It Field. really is. I mean, I mean it- like I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers did the thing last year when he scored in Soldier Field. I own you guys, and he's right. He's 19 and three straight up. Uh, in his last 22 meetings against them, 16 and six against the spread. He's thrown 16 touchdown passes against zero interceptions over that time frame. This ain't that team. Like, no. this is not that team. And the Bears are feeling kind of good about themselves, even though they're a 10 point underdog in this game. Yeah. And Trey, we say it every week about new quarterbacks. We said it last week. While he hasn't changed teams, this is definitely a different environment than what Aaron Rodgers has been in previously with this Green Bay Packers franchise. And we know it takes time to to get used to that. He said as much in making the interview rounds uh, today and yesterday, talking about the different receivers and, and how they're not on the same page, but he wants to be. And and we'll see if if they can get there. But let's take a look, Trey, at another team that lost week one that has a lot of high hopes coming into this season. And that is the San Francisco 49ers. Trey yeah. Lance, the team they essentially put Jimmy G on the back burner for, tried to trade, couldn't cut, tried to move on, but decided not to. But all intents and purposes, they're moving forward with Trey Lance. And he had a really, really brutal uh, week one game. Um, so my question to you is, are they in trouble? Is it too early? And it probably is, but are they, is it too early to say, eh, maybe we look at back at Jimmy? Because this is a window roster wise they need to capitalize on what should they be feeling after week one uh here here's my thoughts on that first of all let's let's take week one just throw it away because it was a mess it was a crappy field crappy conditions like it was you know it was not conducive to actual football having said that there's a reason jimmy garoppolo is still on the roster part of that is the shoulder surgery that affected his trade status. They reworked his contract. Um, but the players on the roster in 49 land know. Like, they know what they're capable of with Jimmy Garoppolo. He helped get them to a Super Bowl against the Chiefs, where they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter before they lost. He got them to the NFC Championship game last year, where they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter before they lost. And they probably should have won that game, but Jaquiski Tart can catch an arm punt from Matthew Stafford, like literally <laughs> an arm punt. Like it was just, uh, you know, yeah. and, and and that might've changed the entire narrative of the off season. The Niners are hedging their bets and they they'll say they're not. And they, and I understand why they have to say they're not because right. they traded up to get Trey Lance in the third round in the exactly. 2021 draft. Like they did that thing. The capital they gave up. I mean, th- that's the Correct. big thing here. Correct. But Jimmy G is on that roster for a reason. They know he's the ultimate go-to. He's the ultimate. Let's go to the part. Actually, right arm. Right let's on. go to yeah, the pen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now you can only do that once. You you can't you can't go to Jimmy G in week three. And then go back to Trey Lance and back to Jimmy G. That's a disaster. No, they're no. going to they're going to give Trey Lance as much room as they can. Yeah, for them to believe that he's the guy they thought he would be when they moved up to draft him third overall. But Jimmy Garoppolo is on that roster for a reason, and everybody in the Niners organization knows it, whether they want to admit it or not. 
Yeah. And this is, and that just reminded me and, and why I was jumping in there is your good friend, Kurt Warner, right? Yep. Kurt Warner, when he was with the Giants and Tom Coughlin did that back and forth between him and Eli Manning and Kurt yep. Warner came off the sideline, right? He told us this in his more than football episode with us. I told Tom, don't do that to him again. He's got to yep. take those lumps. The difference that I see here with the 49ers roster is they're in a win now mode. They were a deep yes. playoff team with Jimmy G. So that's that's the thing here. I want to I want to move on real quick to finish to wrap up the segment because Monday Night Football brought a well, We're not talking about the Bengals? We're not talking about the Bengals? Oh, sorry, the Bengals. Excuse me. Thank you. What the hell's the matter with you? We're talking I'm about the Bengals. A, I'm a loose cannon. The Cincinnati right. Bengals, they lost their week 1 game. Joe Burrow four interceptions. Is this a Super Bowl hangover that they need to be really concerned about, or are they going to get this ship turned around, Trey? Um, that was the worst game of Joe Burrow's career. Like flat out, worst game of his career. He threw four interceptions and also lost a fumble. But I'm not concerned about them, and I'll tell you why. I think that won't happen on a regular basis. And even by the way, even with the worst game of his career, they should have won that game twice, right? They should yeah. have won it in regulation. Uh, if they had just a challenge the Jamar Chase catch that was ruled incomplete because that was clearly a touchdown, or just kicks yeah, kick the extra point without it getting blocked with a bad snap. And then the same thing happened in overtime. It was a bad snap and Money Mac hooked it wide right. But what I love about Joey Burrow, we 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 can talk pretty freely on this podcast, right? There are no language restrictions, right? Not for you, my friend. He's a fing assassin. Okay. <laughs> Let me read to you my favorite. Joe Burrow clip from my pre-draft notes in 2020. And I think I've done this before with you, but I think it bears repeating. Please do. Just so yeah, people, yes, you just have. So people understand. They need to Burrow, know. Burrow played on an AAU basketball team when he was nine years old. During a state tournament game, Burrow's team was trailing by eight points with about 30 seconds left. Yeah. We thought it was over, said Tom Vanderven, who coached the team. But then Burrow took over, scoring nine consecutive points, including seven straight foul shots to lead his team to an improbable comeback. The other team kept fouling him, and he kept making the shots. Said Vanderven, his coach, quote, I've never seen anything like it. It was then that I knew he was different from everyone else. I couldn't believe the poise under pressure and the competitive drive demonstrated by a nine-year-old. Vanderven, by the way, is a sociology professor at Ohio University. This is the kicker to the story. It's so after the game, I told his parents, because I'm a sociologist that studies crime, I told his parents that Joe had the kind of qualities you find in cops and first responders, and wait for it, as well as serial offenders. There it is. Vanderbilt said, the point I was making, that he has the kind of qualities those people have, where his pulse probably doesn't change no matter the situation he finds himself in. He could be mowing the lawn or pulling people from a fire or robbing a bank and his pulse would probably stay the same. Like, first of all, thank God Joe Burrow is using his talents for good. I was gonna say. He, could be, he could be Dexter if Dexter. he wanted to, and he would never be caught. Yeah, that's correct. But when you are playing the worst game of your life and you still have the belief that you can win and lead your team to two opportunities to win, I'm not concerned about the Bengals or Joe Burrow. I'm a little concerned about the offensive line that they tried to upgrade and they gave up seven sacks. But as we all know, the offensive line is the most cohesive unit in football. They will take time to gel. Correct. They'll be better. I mean, Alex Kappa is an upgrade. Leo Collins is an upgrade. There's no question about that. It's just going to take time. Yep. Um, but I'm not worried about Joe Burrow because he's a, an assassin. He's a yeah. trained killer. Uh, so let's recap before we get to our last, our last team here and then we'll move on here. Cowboys in trouble. Packers in trouble. 49ers close to trouble. Bengals, yeah. they're probably going to be okay. This be final right. team, this final team had one of the most disastrously terrible games I've ever seen managed in the NFL, Trey, especially with two, just over two minutes left. The way Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos coaching staff managed the Monday night football game against the Seattle Seahawks made me say, why did you even bring Russell Wilson in? Talk about that, Trey, and tell us, are the Broncos in trouble as this season progresses? Well, I was more concerned about the Broncos after the game 
when Nathaniel Hackett was asked about the decision to burn 35 seconds to use a timeout and then kick a 64-yard field goal attempt for the win, which would have been the second longest field goal in the history of the NFL. And he said, yeah, that was the right decision. No, no, no. Saying it was the right decision is even worse than doing it. Now, he eventually backpedaled, okay? He backpedaled because he understood how bad that sounded. I'm not going to hang Nathaniel Hackett for one game. It was an horrific game. Like, the little things matter. Situational football, which is what New England had sold at for all those years. Like, they blew that big time. But yep. let's before even the disaster, the epic disaster of the end of the game, two times late in that game, they were presented with a fourth and goal from inside the one-yard line. And they lined up in shotgun. That's like achieving the high ground in battle and then <laughs> falling back 30 yards just to give the other guys a chance. Okay? Yep. What in the hell are you doing lining up at shotgun from fourth and goal inside the one-yard line? You're allowing people to get three yards to where you are. You're seeding ground. Yep. Listen, how about a Russell Wilson sneak on fourth and goal? Jump over the bleeping pile. And if it doesn't work, fine. I have no problem with that because it's the right decision. The process but, uh, makes sense in that case. To line up in shotgun when the ball is on the fourth and inside the one-yard line and your conscious decision, not once, but twice, is to let's work it back five yards and see what happens. Yeah. Insanity. Well, yeah, I, it's it was terrible, and it's more than just one decision there. As you mentioned, several decisions, It's and it reeks to me as more than just a first-time head coach in his first game, something that we definitely have to keep an eye on. But in the interest of time – I want to make, I want to keep us moving a little bit because we have somebody who's going to jump in here because we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson and Lamar yeah. Jackson uh, bet on himself. He ended contract discussions with the Baltimore Ravens who refused to give him a contract that he believes he was worthy of. And you and I have talked a bit about whether or not we believe Lamar Jackson is making the right choice. And after his week one performance, did his price go up before we get into that part of the conversation, I want to bring in, Pro Football Network's um, uh, national reporter and insider, Mr. Aaron Wilson. Okay, Aaron Wilson joining us from the corner deli somewhere in Houston, Texas, I'm sure. Um, but Aaron, where, they're cel where they're celebrating the fact that Lovey Smith punted on fourth and three with 29 seconds to go from the fourth. There it is. Get it in there. Aaron, thank you for joining us. Aaron, you wrote a piece this week at ProFootballNetwork.com um, giving us the latest – into the contract negotiations between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Where do things stand between the two sides? And do you see a resolution coming sooner rather than later? Well, where things stand now, Brett, and you can hear me? We hear you. Go ahead. Yes, we can also hear every order being taken behind you, but go ahead. Yes, I'm sorry about that. Uh, with the way it stands right now, guys, is they completely don't agree. That's why they couldn't get a deal. He wanted the whole contract to be fully guaranteed. And because he wanted it fully guaranteed, that Steve Bishotti was just something he would not do. He refused to budge. And I don't blame him. I think that Deshaun Watson's contract was an outlier. It's mm -hmm. different. And it was a, a unique situation. And other owners are very resentful of the Watson contract, as you guys know. And so this will continue in the, uh, the offseason. And what I would expect is the franchise tag, because I don't see things changing significantly unless Lamar leads them to a Super Bowl. And I don't necessarily foresee that for the Ravens this year. But the issue becomes, guys, that they have this rental situation with their franchise quarterback. And they weren't entirely pleased with him and how he handled last year in terms of his injury rehab. And there have been a couple of things that have annoyed them about Lamar, but they can't really say anything to Lamar or about Lamar, anything derogatory, because he has no agent. Because yeah. they don't want to offend his mom, who's basically his agent. And he has a lawyer that he consults with. 
and he uses the NFLPA. And because they want guaranteed money in these contracts, they're pushing him for that. And he could have gotten this deal done, but it just it never really got close. It was just they offered him plenty of money, but it just wasn't ever anything where they were on the same page. Before Aaron, before Trey and I get into the discussion around that, and before we let you go, I just want to ask you one more question. You had mentioned Yeah, what, what's your order? Well, that's the question. What, what <laughs> yeah, do you want to know that too? Like, what's, what's the food choice? This you, is a you, Mexican restaurant yeah. called Kendante, and uh, it's Tex-Mex. Very good. So it's your right. Nothing better than Tex-Mex, boss. There Get those go. fajitas. Aaron, you, you said something where Steve Bashotti was unwilling to guarantee the entirety of the contract that Lamar was looking for. So two questions here. Is there a disconnect between what ownership wants and what the rest of the front office wants? Like, was the front office willing to guarantee the contract? And two where they agreed on value of the contract, but really just the guarantee is what was holding them up. If they had guaranteed the entire $250 million deal, then the deal would have been done. But okay. There's no disconnect. They were all on the same page. Eric DeCosta, John Harbaugh. There was no one saying, let's just pay the kid. Let's just do it. He wants it. Okay. He's pretty good. He's been an MVP. No one was saying that. Okay. And they they all consider the Watson contract to be out of whack. Uh, Deshadi pretty much implied it. And they privately expressed it that for Deshaun with the allegations and the sexual misconduct settlements that he reached, obviously he was never indicted or charged with any crimes, but still a lot of accusations, a lot of women accusing him. Yeah. Serious things. That said, with Lamar, yes. No off-field issues, no nothing like that, but a running quarterback, some durability things, and not the most accurate passer. So a lot of dings. And so for Russell Wilson, not to get that kind of deal. For Aaron Rodgers, not to get that kind of deal. For Deshaun mm. Watson to have this outlier is the perfect word for it. It is unique, and if it's an upset that it ever happened, that is something that Steve Bishotti, self-made billionaire, by the way, guy that did not inherit his money, made his own money with a basement, uh, I'm sorry, rather, with a business he started in his basement called Aerotech, worked very hard, Salisbury State University graduate, not an Ivy League, just a, right. really a self-made guy, defends him to spend this kind of money, guarantee that kind of money, and yeah. he didn't want to do it. All right. Yeah, no, uh, that will be enough for us to uh, get this conversation off and going. Aaron, I, I got a note from our producer that you're you're waiting for some coaches and an agent while you have your text back. Four minutes if you guys have more questions. Yeah. No, I think I think we're good. That that's if like, you don't if you don't get chips and queso, then you're fired. Yes, you have to get chips and queso. Got to get some There's guac. Chips on my right uh, and some salsa. But they're, they're Let me see it. Let me see it. Show me the chips, baby. Lift them up. All right, there you go. There it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network's insider. Um, Trey, uh, (laughs) sticking to what information we we learned there a little bit about uh, what Steve Bashotti unwilling to guarantee the contract for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's week one performance may have pretty much risen the price on this and put even more pressure on the organization. What are your thoughts on this? You ever seen the movie Taken with Liam Neeson? Oh, sure. When he goes in there and says the price just went up. Mm -hmm. Price just went up. Like he threw three touchdown passes, two to Devin DuVernay and one to Rashad Bateman. And with all due respect to Steve Bishotti and his gosh darn it humble upbringings from his basement bootstrap guy to make his billion dollars, who cares? Okay? Because they can all pretend, and I mean they, every NFL team, can pretend, oh, the Deshaun Watson contract, it's an outlier, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? It's the standard now. Mm. And you can pretend like it's not, but you know what? You'd be pretending because you know what? Every quarterback who comes up with a contract is going to say, you gave that guy $240 million in guaranteed with more baggage than a 7 freaking 47 mm. at LaGuardia. <laughs> I do not care that you think it's an outlier. Yeah. All I know is that's where the mark is. And what are you prepared to do? Yeah. Like the last contract offer 
that I saw, the details were $290 million, but only $133 million guaranteed for Deshaun Watson, or Deshaun, I mean, for Lamar Jackson. Why in the hell would Lamar Jackson even think about signing that deal when he can play the next three years under franchise tags and make close to $120 million? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. what's the incentive for him to sign that contract? No. Everybody, like Steve Bishotti, God bless him. I love him. I've run into him at a bunch of different places. Like, cool that you think it's an outlier. But what you think doesn't matter. Like, the, the standard is the standard. The marketplace yeah. has been set. And let's be clear. This is why everybody hates the Cleveland Browns. Okay? <laughs> this is why everybody hates the Cleveland Browns. Because they did this thing. When you say they everybody, Trey, let's just clarify. Every that. other team. Every team other believes, team's front believes. office. Yeah. 31 other front offices hate the Cleveland Browns. Okay? This is why. Yeah. Like, you can – oh, it's an outlier. We're not going to do that. You are if you believe he's that guy. Yeah. It's just that simple. That's the threat. You don't think Patrick Mahomes' his next deal with Kansas City, probably <laughs> after this season, is going to surpass $240 million in guaranteed money? Like, you, you really believe that? Like, <laughs> if you do – I have some incredible land opportunities for you in the Everglades. Like, thank you. Get in low. Like, Excited it's amazing. That. Like, yeah. that is going to happen. Yeah. Whether you want to believe it or not is effing irrelevant. It is the standard. The standard is the standard. The bar has been set. Whether you like it or not, whether you disagree with it or not, it does not matter. Because every quarterback whose contract comes up is going to say, so that Watson guy, 240, right? Fully guaranteed, plus, you know, all kinds of handsy issues. I don't have any of those. <laughs> and I'm more accomplished than that than that guy. Yeah. Show me my freaking money. Yeah, look, man, it's it's a uh it's a it's one of those rare situations where the franchise tag is player friendly in this case. Yep. Right. Kirk, Usually the Kirk players Cousins are, parlayed that to perfection. Exactly. It, and this is the rare position, the quarterback position, where if you're not getting what you want. Now, remember, what Lamar Jackson has in his favor, in addition to everything that you just said, is the reality of this. It's not the Ravens saying, well, you're not Patrick Mahomes or you're not Deshaun Watson. So we're not. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You, At one point, Eli Manning had more had a bigger contract than Peyton Manning because it was his time to kick the can. Yeah, and I love Eli and I think he's great. But there is no way in hell he was close to the quarterback that Peyton was. No, but and it's but you know who else Lamar Jackson isn't? He isn't Huntley, yeah. right? He's not yeah. your other team's backup. So if you don't have somebody who's better than him now, you better pay him because if you yeah. lose him, you're stuck with what's out there. So I I couldn't agree with you more. Now I'll be the first one to say, Trey, I don't believe that that Lamar Jackson, if we were you know, all things being equal, that Lamar Jackson should be the highest paid quarterback because he's the best quarterback and so on and so forth. But that's irrelevant. It's, it's his irrelevant. Time to, it's his time to kick the can. That's exactly that's the right. the only thing that matters. That's exactly right. And that's what's relevant to this discussion. So all, all the fans out there, this isn't about is Lamar Jackson better than Patrick Mahomes? Is he better than so on and so forth? That's not the way the market works. The market yes. works that right now Lamar Jackson gets the deal because he's the one who's up for it. Um, okay. Trey, we're going to move on to our final segment before we take some, some questions from the fans, time permitting. Uh, it is time, Trey Wingo, for Pro Football Network's Week 2 Super Smash quarterback matchup of the week. Let's take a look at the matchup machine. What do we got going on here? Who are the two quarterbacks we need to be looking at for this week? Put it up on the screen. <laughs> The there hell was is. that? I felt like it. I felt like I fell into a video game from the late eighties. Yes, like, Super Smash was, Brothers, baby. That was impressive. Look, so no. so look. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Justin Herbert. It's Thursday Night Football. Now, listen, Trey. You're you're the best person I love to talk quarterbacks with because your Twitter profile says it all. Wins are not a quarterback stat, and also the Correct. two quarterbacks will not be on the field at the same time. But they're not playing. Each but other. they're not playing each other. But. What we learned, and you, I know you loved this game, last year's divisional playoff between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, 
there is a, a, a dynamic that exists with elite quarterback play where you have to think about keeping up with the guy on the other sideline. My question Correct. to you is this, is Justin Herbert a guy other quarterbacks and Thursday night Patrick Mahomes need to worry about keeping up with? Well, I mean, Justin Herbert's really great. There's no question about it. Like he's a phenomenal quarterback. But this matchup is off the charts good. Can I can I just give you some numbers to explain how good this do. Thursday night matchup is? I hope you do. All right. First and foremost, it's the first Thursday night. Uh, no, let me rephrase. It's the first week two game in NFL history in which both quarterbacks coming in threw for at least 300 yards, threw for at least three touchdown passes, Mahomes five, Justin Herbert three. Uh, neither quarterback threw an interception, and they completed 70 at least 75% of their passes. Never happened before. Let's take it a step further. Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert are the only quarterbacks in NFL history, in NFL history, minimum of 30 games, to throw at least three touchdown passes in 40% of their career games. 14 such games from for Herbert, 29 such games for Mahomes. But wait, kids, there's more. This is just the third time since 1950 where the two quarterbacks coming into this game have combined for at least eight touchdown passes in week one. Again, Mahomes five, Herbert three. The winner of the previous two matchups between those two such quarterbacks, that team went on to play in the Super Bowl. This is a big deal. And let's just go back and look at the recent games between these two teams. Now let's throw out the end of the 2020 season week 17, because the Chiefs had already clinched home field advantage. So they didn't need to play anybody and they didn't. And the Chargers went into Arrowhead and won 38 to 21. The Chargers have actually won three of their last four games played at Arrowhead, including the game I just talked about. But let's throw that out for a second. Let's just look at the last three meaningful games played between these two teams when everyone was playing. Let's start with the September 2020 game played at SoFi. Chargers, that was the first game of Justin Herbert's career. Uh, that was the game in which Tyra Taylor got hurt. Herbert yep. came in. Yep. He played really, really well. Mahomes had that insane long touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. And then when game went back and forth, and then there was insanity at the end <laughs> of the game when Harrison Butker had like three different attempts at the game-winning field goal from 50-plus yards to win it, and he did. Yep. Then let's go back to the September 2021 game played at Arrowhead last year between these two teams. The Chiefs drove right down the field on their first three possessions, were inside the 20-yard line every time, and turned it over three straight times. They actually turned it over four times in that game. And it was a fourth and 12. A fourth and 12 that Brandon <laughs> Staley went for, fourth and goal from the 12, that set up the game-winning touchdown. Well, yep. that's when Brandon Staley started to become fourth down or whatever. I, I don't say, care. I was going to say, the legend we're, is born. We're going for it, okay? Yep. That game was nuts. And then let's go back to the last game played between these two, the Thursday night game at SoFi Stadium uh, a year ago. And that was the game where it went to overtime and Mahomes hit Travis Kelsey on the first drive of overtime for the game winner, and they go on to win. Yep. The point I'm trying to make is, the last three games where it really mattered between these two have been bonkers, like <laughs> incredibly football. stupidly good Yeah, outside yeah. of the week 17 game of 2020. I expect the same thing. Okay. But here's the deal. Patrick Mahomes is pissed off. Yeah. He's pissed off. He heard everything that everyone said this offseason. Ah, you know, Joey Burrow, best quarterback in the, in the AFC. Best young guy I would bet on. This kid, Justin Herbert, really good. Love this kid. He's amazing. I haven't heard one of my former colleagues at ESPN say the Kansas City Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs. Like, I mean, I get it. Dig your hot takes, bro, but don't be stupid. Um, and Patrick Mahomes heard that uh, unnamed defensive quarter in the NFL that in Mike Sando's article on The Athletic, great article, by the way, that said that, yeah, once you take away Mahomes' first read, he really resorts to street ball. He heard all of that. And you know what he did Sunday against Arizona? 30 of 39, 360 yards, five touchdown passes, no interceptions, hitting nine different receivers, and took the fourth quarter off. Patrick Mahomes 
is about to go scorched earth on the NFL. Very much in the same way Tom Brady went scorched earth in 2007 after the deflate gate scenario. Uh, not the deflate gate, excuse me, that was spy gate. There were so many gates with the Patriots. So I many gates. Confused. Who can keep track? All I'm saying is if the Chiefs don't turn it over a bunch, they win this game maybe by 10 points. Yeah, hey, look, let's not forget it was we're coming up on the one year anniversary of Patrick Mahomes is broken, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's this. How's that been, working out, by the way? This How's that been, working out? This has been the the issue with with Patrick Mahomes. It's very similar to like when LeBron James, right? You know, we we look at LeBron James and we're always finding ways to say why he's not Michael Jordan. And that's what it feels like we do with Patrick Mahomes. We're finding reasons for him to not be the best quarterback in the NFL. Then he comes out in week one and goes, guys, I'm the best quarterback in the NFL. And it's not close. It's it's not not close. close. Like, for example, I I literally had somebody say to me on Twitter or Instagram, I don't know, well, the Cardinals defense sucks. This is padding. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? First of all, the Cardinals defense is actually in the back end is tremendous. Their safeties and their corners are really good. But, like, for the sake of argument, fine. You want to say the Cardinals' defense sucks? Have at it. How about (laughs) we go back to the divisional playoff game last year between the Bills and the Chiefs? When the Bills brought in, wait for it, kids, the number one overall defense, the number one scoring defense, the number one passing defense, and the number one defense on third down. And Patrick threw for 378, three touchdowns, and just for fun ran one in in the overtime win. Like. I find it hilarious, like hilarious that the the amount of people to try to twist themselves into a pretzel to try and say Patrick Mahomes is bad when all the empirical data suggests he might be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. And then let me just let me just throw this at you. Right. With the game on Sunday, when he threw four touchdown passes, he tied Dan Marino for the most. Uh, four touchdown pass games in his career in his first 64 starts. But then just for fun, after he did this to the Cardinals sideline, he threw a fifth. He now has the most five touchdown passing games in NFL history through a first 64 games in his career. Like we can pretend like all these things don't matter, except they do. They do. Yeah. And he's really good guys. Like pick at him all you want. But, Do whatever you want. There's not a guy playing in the NFL, but I want under center more for my team than Patrick Mahomes. And for those of you who may or, or may not be mathematically challenged, we're not just picking 64 games as some like arbitrary number. That's the yeah. amount of games that Patrick Mahomes has been in the NFL for. So that's right. why we're using that measure. And what he's done in his time in the NFL is better than what anyone else has done. By the way, th- this is also time. a shout out to Dan Marino, just how freaking ahead of I was going to say, can we talk, I mean, we're talking about like the 1984 yeah. season for all the two on people out there and all that kind of stuff. Like Dan Marino was a freaking outlier of all outliers, but like Patrick Mahomes is also the outlier. Like everybody's like, I like Herbert. I like Burrow. Cool. I like the guy who in his first year as a starter had 50 touchdown passes. The only other people that have done that, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, hashtag not in their first year as a starter. I like the guy who's already had an NFL MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, taking his team to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, and taking his team to four straight conference championship games hosting, which, wait a minute, to be clear, the Steelers of the 70s didn't do. Joe Montana and the 90s of the 80s, Joe Montana and the Niners of the 80s didn't do. Troy Aikman of the Cowboys in the 90s didn't do. And Tom Brady of the Patriots in the 2000s didn't do. So you can do and say whatever you want. But if you're not recognizing what we've already built on Patrick Mahomes' resume, you're just, you're the queen, you're you're Cleopatra. You're the queen of denial. <laughs> Trey, I uh, I poured myself a a nice glass of tequila tonight because when I knew we were talking about Patrick Mahomes and the disrespect, come get a taste. Getting, is what I, Patrick Mahomes is going to say all year long. I knew you were going to be extra spicy today, and you are the perfect amount of spicy for this conversation. Just like this tequila is, so I'm gonna keep drinking that. But um, before we get to our final, just like we'll take a, a couple questions from from the audience here. I want to h- hook the audience up with some opportunities to win some money. We've talked about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. We have talked about 
um, the different teams that might be in trouble. Now's the time going into week two to try to cash your bets and make some money on what kind of the information we're kind of throwing out there to you to do that. Go to Caesars, go to the link that's in our comments. It's going to take you to Caesars Sportsbook. You're going to get a promo, okay, for doing it through PFN using code PFN. Go to the link in our comments right now and put some money down based on the information we've given you right there at Caesar Sportsbook. Again, that link is in the comments. I'm going to tell you one more thing before we get here because Pro Football Network this year, Trey, is partnering with Underdog Fantasy Sports, something your boy Adam Schefter is involved in. And we've also got some hookups for you there too using promo code PFN when you sign up at Underdog. I'm telling you right now, looking at our Super Smash quarterback matchup of the week, I am taking the higher on Patrick Mahomes at two and a half passing touchdowns on Underdog. And for Justin Herbert, I'm taking the higher on his 13 and a half rushing yards in this matchup. That's what I'm seeing for the two quarterbacks at underdog fantasy sports. Get in there now, enter code promo, uh, promo code PFN and have some fun, hopefully making some money. Cause I did this past weekend. We had a few viewers send us some screenshots going three for three, four for four on their underdog picks. Do that. We got some Caesar Sportsbook hookups. Uh, Trey being the C- the chief trends officer over there at Caesar Sportsbooks. Go check that out too in the comments as well. Additionally, real quickly, real, real quickly uh, yeah. my super boost on Caesar Sports this week is that both Mahomes and Herbert each throw for at least three touchdown passes. There you go. Trey's yeah. boost right there in the Caesar Sportsbook app. Our our link to get there is in the comments. Go do that. Um, and uh that underdog is their pick'em game. So go play the underdog pick'em game. Uh Patrick Mahomes higher than two and a half touchdowns, Justin Herbert higher than 13 and a half rushing yards. Okay, Trey, we got a question from one of our fans. His name is, uh, this is a a viewer on Twitch, B. Olivier, 23, wants to know what your thoughts are on the Lions. They were on Hard Knocks, Dan Campbell, all this publicity. What are they so far through week one? By the way, the Lions are favored this week over the Commanders. That's interesting, Uh, huh? For the first time uh, in the Paleozoic era, (laughs) <laughs> now, let, let, let me make sure I get this straight because it's important. Uh, let me, but they, they, they're favored for the first time, like in freaking forever, uh, in two years. The first time they're favored in two years. Look, I, I want to be clear. I love Dan Campbell. Like, I would run through a wall for that guy. Even though they only won three games last year, they had the second best record against the spread. And right. people are like, oh, that's moral victories. You know, that, that tells you that the team is playing hard for their coach. But all that is true. But at the end of the day, they need to win games. Like they need to win games. I was going to say, I love Dan. I translate to wins. I love Dan Campbell, and I and I love the the feel of Detroit. But if they don't win games, all of that doesn't matter. This is a winnable game for them. They need to win the game. They need to win the game. Otherwise, lather, rinse, repeat, and it's the same story. So, uh, I, I love the fact that they're favored. I would like for them to show up and I love Dan Campbell, but they need to win. It's that simple. Like whenever a coach gets hired, they always say, we love his culture. We love his attitude. We love all of this. And then when they fire him, they, they say, well, he didn't win enough. Like all that other shit when they hired him doesn't matter anymore. Like when my alma mater Baylor hired Kevin Steele uh, to be their head coach uh, in the early two thousands, they were like, we love his character. We love all this. And then they fired him. Well, he didn't win enough games. His character was still the same, still right. the same guy. Right. It, the NFL is not a try hard league. It's a win league. That's and right. If you don't win, you get fired. It's that simple. Dan Campbell needs to win this year. He's going to get fired. It's that simple. What have you done for me lately? They say, right? Um, what have you done for me? Period. Doesn't matter. Lately. Like, what <laughs> yeah. have you done? We, uh, we have our, our, our we're going to do this. is going to be our final question, but I got to give this guy a shout out, Trey. This is DJ Dirty J. DJ Dirty J has been a loyal viewer of yours since coming to Pro Football Network. He was like one of our first, like every week I'm in the chat for for Draft Insiders with you and Tony. He's here with you and I for Football Insiders every single Wednesday, 8 Eastern throughout the season. DJ, your question's getting read here. Which current defensive player would you start a franchise with? I love this question because I have an answer, but I wonder if positional positions matter here for you. Well, to me, it does. It has to be a pass rusher. Like, okay. It's just that it's that simple. 
You right. have to be a pass rusher. So if we're, if we're looking at someone to start a career with, to me, the answer is Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. Wow. Um, I love that because, right, that's a combination of youth, position, and he's an alien at that yeah. position. Who are you um, going with? I was going to go uh, with Aaron Donald, not taking age into account. Okay, right. But I, I, to me, if I'm starting a franchise, I have to take age into account. You have to take like, age into account. Aaron Donald is the answer always. Like, he's right. Like, Who's the best player? Aaron Donald. Who would you take? Aaron Donald. Who do you right. like? Aaron Donald. Like, that's it. But if we're starting a franchise, which means yeah. I want 10 years, that kid, Michael Parsons, is... You're not wrong. You're not... I, I'm now, now, to be fair, yeah. Micah needs to understand his new reality. Okay? <laughs> he was very upset when Leonard Fournette chipped him in the Sunday night game. And you, all saw the, you saw that tweet? You saw that tweet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Micah, first of all, it's a compliment, bro. Yeah, it's yeah. a compliment. They, okay. They're looking for you every they're, single. They're time. telling you how good you are. And number two, about it all you want. Welcome to your reality. Yep. Welcome to the next ten years of your freaking life. Okay, yep. that's going to happen on every play, and that's what delineates the great players from the good players. Yeah. If you want to be great? Quit about getting chipped and find a way to fight through it. Aaron Donald gets triple team on every play. Yep. At least double teamed and triple teamed. And he still finds a way. Micah Parsons is that good. He's yep. that freaking good. But don't be about getting chipped because that is your new normal for the rest of your life. 100 percent And look, we we sat down for more than football um with Ross Tucker who has known Micah Parsons since he was in high school. And he told us that story. And for Ross Tucker, you know, he was saying that Micah Parsons was his rookie of the year, whether he was an off-ball linebacker in the NFL or whether he was a pass rusher. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, your, your pick, age account is big. You could you could look at defensive backs, but that's that old conversation we won't get into now. Is look, it the pass well, rusher? Like here, here, the here's the deal with that. Like a, a, a defensive back will take away one player. A pass rusher takes away all of them. Boom. There it is. There it is. So Micah Parsons, DJ Dirty J. That's uh that's the consensus answer from our football insider. No one's been doing it better. No one's been doing it for longer. And that is our man, senior pro football network, NFL analyst, Trey Wingo. I'm Brett Yaris. We're gonna be back here next week, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're gonna go through whatever happened. We gotta take a look at week two, Trey. We'll see what's going on. We'll talk about the biggest things that come out of that. And we will have our super smash quarterback matchup of week three to look forward to i've got my eye on a few we'll see what comes out of that again see you guys next week